Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McRobbs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. So welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am super excited this episode to have Elizabeth with me. And Elizabeth has an Instagram account, um, Life Outside the Bar. She is a sober blogger. Um, and we've been connected on Instagram for a while, but we actually have not met in real life until right now. So it is super nice to meet you. So nice to meet you, Alex. How are you? I'm so good. I, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to meet you. I know we've talked a lot on Instagram, um, through our DMs and just on our posts back and forth that we've never had this opportunity to actually have conversations with each other. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> so let's get started. Um, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? Um, give me some context into like who you are, where you're from and kind of what you're all about. Wonderful. So my name is Elizabeth. I am from Maine, um, northeast of the United States, and I have been alcohol free for two and a half years, almost three years, August, August 2018, I decided to stop drinking. And um, that was quite a long time coming. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy that this time really stuck and we can get into that more uh, in detail in a bit. But, um, you know, I started my Instagram last summer during the middle of the pandemic. I um, had actually only discovered Sober IG during last summer. So I I was almost two years alcohol-free and I had just discovered um, Sober Instagram, almost at two-year mark. Were you on Instagram and you just hadn't entered the Sober Instagram world yet? Yes, I, I've been on Instagram for a long time, but I haven't been, I had no clue about sober yeah. podcasts. I didn't know about sober quitlets. I didn't know about sober Instagram. I didn't know any of that stuff wow. existed besides, wow. you know, like I knew probably there was some AA content out there, but I had never done AA even. So I was flying pretty solo for a while. Yeah. And um, I think... I, I found a podcast and I kind of dove into this uh, sober world, this new sober culture. I see it as new. I'm sure it's been around for a while, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. And I was like, you know, I have a lot of things that I need to express. Um, I didn't come on to Instagram to be a coach or a mentor or anything like that. I just still had a lot of things that I needed to express about my sobriety, my mental health history and story. So that's why I chose um, to start my Instagram. That's so cool. Um, I, I think I had a similar experience in that, or I don't wanna say similar, but when I quit drinking, I joined One Year No Beer and I didn't know that there were other sober voices, I guess. Like I just was kind of submerged in that one, which is great. But I can't remember when I came across it. It might've been, someone recommended to me The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And once I read that book, she had a list of Instagrams. I think that's where I found them all. And um, and yeah, once you're in it, it's just like opens up your world. It's really wild because the first almost two years of my alcohol-free journey, 
this time around, I only had a therapist. And so I didn't have sober friends. I have uh, my husband who is actually alcohol free, but you know, he's uh, pretty introverted. So he doesn't really need to connect like I do. I'm very extroverted and I love to interact with people. And so I had my therapist who is sober and um, we connected there, but I didn't have people to connect yeah. to. And I was really missing that in the community. Yeah. And I can't believe that you've only had your Instagram for less than a year because I feel like you're just a staple of like the, in the Instagram world. So yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so let's kind of start with like your drinking history. So when did you start drinking and like what kind of influenced your drinking habits? So um, I actually started drinking in middle school. We are really young. My extended family is full of alcoholics and I always saw alcohol around me. I saw active partying, drinking, but my parents actually don't really drink at all. So I always thought they were the black sheep and I, you know, as a kid, you're kind of like, are my parents weird for this? Like what's going on? And so I always saw it. I always had access to it, even though it wasn't really in my house, I always had access. And then I had friends whose parents drank a lot too. So I just saw it around me. Um, and in middle school, one day I came home from school and was at a, a family member's house and they had alcohol out. They weren't home. And I decided to, to try a little bit of um, vodka and orange juice. Like I'm talking a minuscule amount, tiny bit, which is, probably awful because it actually just gave me a tiny bit of buzz and I felt that like feeling that I guess joy buzz feeling that you get when you only have a little bit and that's all I had and I continued to do that for quite some time I would come home from school and sneak just a tiny bit just to get that little buzz so I didn't have that big negative reaction the first time I drank like a lot of some people do where you know they go to some high school party and they have this you know binge drinking and then they yeah. they realize it's not good I actually had a an effect where I was like oh this is completely fine I only had a little I'm fine and you know it just was around me in you know middle school and high school and it just became like fairly routine. I started to socially drink in high school, um, you know, with friends and at parties and things like that. But like I said, my parents never really drank. So I never had conversations about alcohol right? and the negative effects because I, I didn't see it from them. Yeah. So that was interesting part of my history where a lot of people don't relate to that. And they, they didn't just drink by themselves for the first time, only a little bit. Like, yeah, that's really really interesting. Anyone who I've connected with on that, which I'm not really happy that happened. Um, I was pretty sneaky as, a, you know, a kid, middle schooler, high schooler. And I found that like connection. I don't even know what brought me to try it really. Maybe it was people talking about it in school, you know, uh, partying started to get, you know, popular and something just made me want to try it. And I did. And I had a positive reaction, which wasn't, which led me down having alcohol in my life a lot. Yeah. When I was, by the time I was, you know, in later high school, I was 
still drinking by myself, but not just a little bit. I was, you know, hiding alcohol in my room and my parents would be upstairs and I'd be getting drunk by myself. And, you know, I had a lot of like depression from all of this because alcohol is a depressant plus your teenage hormones. And so drinking by myself, I would get depressed and then I would hide my depression. And it was just a bad cycle that I was really in for a while. Yeah. high school yeah and so how did did your drinking then like accelerate over time yes it definitely did I had just always had that like need for alcohol to be around and um you know I had a best friend in high school we would just we'd love to get drunk together and I had access to alcohol easily after I got out of high school, you know, I I continued to drink and um, I was getting to a point where it was, you know, the self-medication and I wasn't even 20 yet. And I was, I was drinking as self-medication for all these emotions I felt that I had no place to vent to. And um, I actually had a I would call it a rock bottom. I've had a few rock bottoms, but I had a rock bottom where I was told by an ex that I had to stop drinking. And I was, I don't know if I was 19 or 20 at the time, but at that point, that was my first rock bottom where people were telling me, you you can't drink. Like you just, you can't drink. (laughs) And um, that was the first time I, I was alcohol free. I decided to do that for six months prior to being 21, I'd already done six months alcohol-free. Wow. I've had a a long relationship with alcohol and I guess like the sober curious life, I had no term back then, but I had always um, knew that alcohol wasn't the best for me, especially in the mindset I was in. And I would try times where I would not drink for a week and try to limit myself or uh, there was times where I would you know do a few months uh, like that time and um, I didn't know that this whole term sober curious was out there or even you know young people being sober was a thing or right. even you know a cool thing I think yeah. it's cool so. it is <laughs> <laughs> so what made you so you said you had one break with drinking when you were 21 did you have more before like this stint yeah I don't want to say this stint well, but like becoming sober long no, time <laughs> hopefully it's not a stint um hopefully this time it's you know a lifetime for me um so yes I I had other times where you know I tried to stop drinking and things like that but um it wasn't until I had the opportunity to go to Kuwait and as you know, Kuwait's a dry country. Yeah. So prior to going to Kuwait, I actively chose to stop drinking. Of course, you know, I, I couldn't drink in Kuwait, but I was, you know, going between different countries and things like that. So I could have drank them. I actively decided not to. I needed that mental break, that physical break. Um, and so I, I stopped drinking then for another seven months but um, came back to the U.S. and I just had one thing after another happen in my life. And, you know, I leaned back on alcohol as a self-medication. And 
it turned out to be one of the worst years of my life after that that stint of not drinking um, just because things were happening and instead of addressing it and healing what was going on I was self-medicating and I had the worst anxiety during that year I just couldn't sleep at all and when I would you know couldn't sleep I would decide to drink and things like that and it just was this awful cycle I was putting myself into yeah and then about a year and a half after I got back from Kuwait I actually went into this um alcohol free stint (laughs) (laughs) this 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 time I've been alcohol free so it, it really was about a year and a half to two years in between like each of my different times of being alcohol free and I think you know, the third time's a charm, um, yeah. as they say. And this time, I didn't just not drink. I actually sought, um, you know, mental health help out. Um, I went to start seeing a therapist and just actually got the emotions I was holding in for so long. You know, I was self-medicating against um, out, which was a huge thing. I don't, I think a lot of people say this, but um, it's not always about the alcohol. It's about, you know, what's inside yourself, yeah. what you're dealing with when you are abusing alcohol. And that's very true for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can like manifest in so many different ways. I think I wrote something on Instagram once. It's like alcohol was never the enemy. Um and, and for us, it's alcohol, but for other people, like the emotions that they're dealing with might show up in like disordered eating or like an addiction to something else. And, um, and so I think you're, you're definitely right in that it's often like an emotional um, issue that, that we're kind of coping with in the best way we can. Right, right. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I've, I'm almost three years alcohol free and I've worked through a lot of the, you know, emotional turmoil I had from childhood and, you know, the things I never got to work out because I was self-medicating, you know, middle school, my early 20s. And, you know, now, I guess if I had a drink of alcohol, um, not that I'm planning on it, but if I did, I don't think my reactions would be the same because like I said, it's not necessarily alcohol. It was the emotions that the alcohol brought out um, because your your inhibitions are down. But after learning all the science about what alcohol does for your body, I'm like, oh, oh, I'll just stay away. (laughs) (laughs) It does too much. (laughs) Tell me about like back when you were kind of in your um, coming towards this time that you've quit drinking, what was it that made you finally say like, I'm, you know, I'm done? Right. So, um, I had started leaning toward the craft beer world as this like, you know, outlet. There's a community there. There there really is a community in the craft beer world. Um, and there is a, you know, so many different things to try. And then a lot of people look at beer as it's not as bad as if you're drinking vodka every day, right? Which is not true. I mean, if you're drinking beer every day, it's still alcohol every day. And so I was really deep into this craft beer world. I was actually out in Denver 
And I was um, by myself on a work trip and I was visiting all these breweries and um, between drinking too much, being emotional and probably the elevation, let's be honest, because I'm from the East Coast at sea level and Denver's mile high city, right? Um, I had an emotional breakdown while I was drunk by myself um, in a city that I had never been to before. And um, I, you know, called my now spouse and was like, I just don't want to live like this anymore. I don't know what this, these, all this is, all this yeah. feelings that I'm having. I'm like, I'm, I'm just done. And at the time, you know, I was saying some things that were extreme and luckily, you know, I didn't, I didn't act on any of those extreme um, thoughts or anything like that. I ended up just like passing out in my bed. You know, it was that time where I, I, I had noticed that this wasn't a new thing. I had had, you know, extreme thoughts, um, extreme emotion swings, extreme just heaviness um, when I got drunk. And I saw this isn't just about the alcohol. This isn't, you know, just trying to be a part of a community, a beer community. This is just too much, too much more. And I need to address these emotions. When I got home, I had actually, I had, I had brought 30 pounds of beer back with me in my suitcase. Wow. That's how you know I had like a, an obsession yeah. because I brought beer home. Like I could have just drank it there and then not hadn't brought it home. But um, I had started seeing a therapist the following week or two after I got home. And I started talking, I was, you know, not going there addressing alcohol. Um, I was just trying to focus on like, why am I feeling all these emotions? And she had brought up the idea of, well, you're very emotional. She had noticed from our conversations that I was very interested in, you know, craft beer. She said, maybe you should try not drinking um, for 60 days, just try it. And I said, we'll table that idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, nah, probably not. I actually, um, I actually cried when she, she brought up the idea. I cried wow. you know, thinking about not drinking, which is a sign there. Yeah. And so I decided to wean myself off alcohol, which again, is not something I hear a lot of people talk about, but I, I decided I wasn't going to buy a beer I liked. I would only buy crappy beer you That's know so interesting like and then I put rules on myself okay you can only drink on the weekends okay you can only drink you know one or two at a time and so I like I limited myself as the weeks went on and I was finally able to um start my day one in August so Denver was June and then I started my day one in August so I I had to wean myself off alcohol I would not have mentally been able to just stop, yeah. even though I needed to. But I was too invested in this idea that there's a craft beer community that's super supportive of you. And, you know, I had all these friends and, all, you know, all of this. But 
when it came down to it, I was having these emotional breakdowns and I didn't have friends to turn to in the craft beer world. <laughs> you know, yeah. the whole idea of, oh, it's you, not the, not the alcohol kind of was a mentality. And um, I needed to find support and she was giving me support. She is in my therapist. And that's what I, I clung to. I was like, okay, like she's here for me and I'm going to um, try to listen to her advice. Yeah. So. Wow. That's such a unique story in many ways. Like I, I don't remember, I, I did a lot of therapy as a young person and I don't remember a therapist ever suggesting to me to stop drinking. So I think that that's like really amazing that, you know, the therapist that you were paired with was able to spot that. Right. And I had, you know, randomly stumbled upon her name. I just searched therapists in my wow. area and I sent her a message. She had called me back and I, I was doing this all while I was in Denver, while I was having this, you know, heavy wow. time. And, um, it just happened to be that she was sober and it wow. just happened to be what I needed. Not Nowhere in her description said that yeah. she was focused on substance abuse. That's not her actual focus. And so our paths cross and I'm very fortunate for it because, you know, like you said, not a lot of therapists do bring up that because yeah. like you, I, I had gone to therapy since I was a teenager and not once had I ever been told yeah. to drink alcohol. Yeah, me too. So after I got sober, I actually, I had a counselor who I, again, it was like, we just crossed paths and she was doing her practicum placement for her master's in counseling at my school. Like she was a parent at the school and was doing her hours counseling teachers. Honestly, it was like the biggest blessing ever. And she was just like upstairs for me and she was sober, but I had already gotten sober. Like I had already quit. I was like 10 days in and she disclosed that to me. And that was like, massive, but it, it was, again, I think it was like, we just happened upon each other at the right time. And maybe she would have suggested it to me had I, you know, encountered her before, but before her, like I had never come across it. So that's really lucky. I think. I, I thought it was pretty amazing too, because, you know, you know, she's, she's in her younger forties and, um, I, I really look up to her, look up. I mean, she's not that much older, but, um, you know, I, I hadn't seen a lot of younger women yeah. um, being alcohol-free. I had the stereotype that it was just a bunch of, you know, old men sitting in a church basement. Yeah. And, you know, your life is going to be talking about your troubles all the time. Um, and... You know, I try to talk about um, all things on my Instagram, not just the negative parts of, you know, my past, but the positive parts about, you know, being alcohol free and things like that and trying to change the the idea and the stigma of what alcohol free looks like. So I was very fortunate to find her. Very yeah. Fortunate. yeah. And I also love how um, like... I love just hearing how everyone's story is so different. And like I myself, I don't think I ever could have weaned myself off of alcohol. Like I was, I'm just like a rip the bandaid off type of girl. <laughs> and so it's, it's amazing to hear just kind of like how different strategies work for different people. And like, that's totally okay. 
It is. Yeah. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was like, uh, think about weaning myself on and off and such. I was like, well, I've tried this before. Like, let's be honest. I've tried the, the cutting back for a week or two here, but I didn't have right. accountability before. And I think that was the biggest thing is I had someone who was like, so how's it going this week? Right. How's it really going? And um, that's why I could be like, okay, this is what I'm trying this week and this is how it's going. And um, the accountability piece was huge because I tried for so long to do it on my own. Yeah. The, the other two times that I was alcohol free, I didn't have resources. I did it on my right. own. Just so hard. And it didn't work because I didn't have the accountability. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about um, like the process of like, once you finally quit, like what was hard about it? What was, what were the best parts about it? Um, so what was hard about it was I had this whole lifestyle that I, I once had. Yeah. And then, you know, I started to wean myself off and that took about, you know, a month and a half, two months. And um, then I, my whole world was different. <laughs> I was like, oh, actually, I'm not going to go out to the brewery with you. Um, I had to shift how I did things with my friends and, um, you know, the, the different activities I did with my spouse and, you know, our um, close couple of friends and the things we did because, you know, our, our worlds revolved around beer and drinking right. and um, the community. That was, that was difficult. Um, my husband didn't go alcohol free until six months after I did. And so I saw my therapist once a week and that was my support system. But other than that, you know, I was pretty much on my own. And wow. um, that was, it was hard in that aspect because I didn't know where to turn to when I had these, you know, milestones. I was like, yes, I hit my 30 days. And it's like, celebrate by making myself a pizza or something, you know? Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't have a lot of people to um, celebrate with. I, I had told my, you know, my best friends and stuff, but, you know, they are, are and were supportive and always will be, but until you've lived it, until you've been like, yes, you did 30 days. That's awesome. I've done 30 days or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You don't entirely know. And I um, actually had uh, my best friend. Um, she's actually now 130 days alcohol free. And she said to me after the first, uh, between 30 to 60 days, something around there, she said, wow, I am sorry because I never realized how hard this actually is. Wow. Yeah. And I supported you, but I didn't know when you were saying like, I just did 60 days. I just did 30 days. Yeah. How big of a deal that was. And, you know, she's now hitting these milestones. We went out for her um, 100 day uh, wow. you know, milestone not that long ago. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of her, but yeah, it, it took a long time for even, you know, friends or my spouse to catch on and like see what was going on. So that was, that was pretty hard to have that. Uh, not as much support as I would have liked, but yeah. I didn't know there was so much support on the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so oh some God. of these 
people who are doing their first day and you know they're saying they're telling people on instagram and they have this community and all these different resources that's awesome i ah i i love it i love the community because like once you find this community like you will be you know flooded with love and yeah. support yeah. by i love it i love it so much um, and it's so important like you know especially for me i think i had a similar experience of like all my friends in abu dhabi were party people and like they're great people there's nothing wrong with them but they just could not engage with me about what i was going through because they just didn't get it and and you know there were no celebrations there was no like acknowledgement of milestones and so I was very fortunate that I had one year no beer as like my community. And since then it branched into like the wider internet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh God, I can't imagine doing that alone. Like that's so hard. Yeah, it was, um, it was quite difficult. I didn't even really celebrate any milestones. I celebrated like my, my 60 days. I like made myself a good dinner and I got dressed really nice and you know I was just parading around my own house in my one year I think my spouse and I went out to dinner uh possibly but like I don't even remember yeah you know, I didn't tell people on my Facebook like wow. about I I didn't actually open up about being alcohol free to my personal Instagram and my personal Facebook until I was two years alcohol free. That was wow. the first that I made. And um, once I opened up, not only to the sober Instagram, but to my real life, I realized there's way more support out there than I was allowing myself. I was thinking, these people, they won't understand, you know, they're not gonna support me, they won't care, all these things. Um, and at my two years after I after I announced that I was alcohol free for two years, I had people coming out of the woodwork. You know, people I hadn't yeah. talked to since high school. People who, uh, you know, um, follow my Instagram page, and um, they're not necessarily alcohol free, but they're always sending me supportive messages and you know commenting on posts and and you know just praising me and you know. Um, relating to me maybe it's not necessarily them but they have a sibling or they have um, you know a parent who is an alcoholic or things like that and I think that's been a huge um, that's that's been a huge uh, blessing because I was so scared I think there's a lot of shame that sits with people who have um, you know troubles when you start to open up, you're afraid people are going to demonize you. You're afraid people aren't going to understand or they're going to judge you. Yeah. But in reality, like it actually brought more closeness with my friends, my family, people I barely know. And because I spoke up, I've had several, several people, um, you know, come to me and say, hey, you talked about being alcohol free. I tried it. I'm now, you know, six months sober or whatever the case may be. Like these people didn't actually attempt to alcohol free life until I started sharing about it on my personal life, which is amazing because the people I'm like, oh, they wouldn't care. Why would they care? 
You never know what people are thinking. And a lot of people do care and they care for personal reasons um, for themselves and they want to change their lifestyle. That's really cool to see. Yeah. It's so true. It's like you, I did a post on this recently about how, um, you know, one woman's Facebook post that inspired me. And um, I actually never even commented on it. And it was like a year later that I was able to kind of track her down through this Facebook group. And, you know, that's a perfect example of like, I was, you know, I was seven days sober, so I didn't have the courage to say how meaningful it was to me. And I think sometimes we don't even know who we're impacting. Um, But like having the courage to share your story is just, um, it's touching people, whether, you know, you know it or not. Right. And I I love the expressions like recover out loud. And I respect people who, you know, do a call is anonymous and they would like to remain anonymous, things like that. But for me, being anonymous for so long, I didn't grow. I didn't help others through my story. And so um, once I started to see the impact of my stories and my honesty, I realized I can't be anonymous. Like, I need to talk about you know, the benefits of not drinking and you know that people aren't alone in their mental health struggles, in their alcohol struggles, whatever it may be. And uh, I, lo- I love that. That that part was very surprising to me um, when I started my Instagram. I, I didn't know that part was going to come. Yeah. Like, yeah. So tell me about like what inspired you to start your Instagram? Like what was the kind of, I don't know, what lit that match? So I am very i don't like to share my emotions usually um i'm more of a logical person versus an emotional person so i don't wear my emotions on my sleeve and um i hold them inside me and vulnerability is something that i have been trying to work on um and i can only work on it so much through therapy uh, you actually have to start doing actions with uh, honesty and vulnerability. And so, you know, in my regular life, I, I try to open up more and um, talk about things with friends and family. But I decided that I needed a platform that would be my space to be vulnerable and just be honest because a lot of people didn't see how far my drinking went. Yeah. or see how far my mental health struggles went. And so once I saw Sober Instagram and the posts people were making and these like, you know, impactful stories that people were sharing, I said, this is my space to share and be open and honest and vulnerable and um, learn that being open and honest and vulnerable um, is not shameful. The stories that you are sharing, they're not shameful. Um, you know, they they impact people. And um, I didn't realize that until I had saw other people's posts about, you know, vulnerable things. And then you think, oh my gosh, like that, that impacted me. Yeah. Like I need to share also. Um, and so it really helps me open up. I never in a million years would have shared any of those things on my personal account. And I had my sober Instagram account for two months, probably before I 
I even announced that I had it to my personal page. And wow. so I had built up these stories and these, these um, honest posts and conversations. And I started to reshare them or repost them to my stories on my personal page and started to be more open with my personal page also. Um, it's all together helped me just be, be more honest with myself. That was a big thing because, you know, you can have these um, inner thoughts that you know are there, but you can always hide them. You can always push them to the side. Um, and until I looked at them and reflected on them and expressed them, I was not being honest with myself, truly. Yeah. And yeah, this is my journal basically is, is how I look at my Instagram account. Um, the other piece to Instagram is there's, although there's not necessarily accountability there, there kind of is because yeah. um, you have people who are turning to your friends on social media. Um, you know, they could be in Abu Dhabi and you're in the United States, yeah. <laughs> but um, you have this place where you're like, hey, Alex, how are you doing? I noticed, you know, you wrote about this on your post and you have people checking in. And yeah, I love that about it too. So it's, it's been very helpful for me to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think I started in a similar way and, you know, you had your, your separate page and um, you did it kind of anonymously. And as you were talking about that, at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I realized that I basically did the same thing in the One Year New Bear Facebook group <laughs> in that I was basically doing it there anonymously. And I was very mindful that I didn't know anyone in the group, you know, and then I built up this like kind of confidence in myself. And then I started copy pasting onto my personal page. So similar kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I, um, I was very nervous the first time that I reshared to my personal page because, you know, I had stories that maybe related to some people or they were in the moment that I was discussing and I wanted to be pretty mindful about um, how that would reflect on them. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the more I think about it, like these stories are my own, they're my experiences and they're what I perceive to be. And, um, if someone was in that moment or that story, that gives a great opportunity to have a discussion with them about how they perceive the, the moment. And, um, so I think that's another part that's pretty cool because I have had conversations with people who have been like, I don't want to use any examples, but, um, you know, hey, like I was thinking the same thing on this and um, I didn't know you thought it too. And I would never have had those conversations unless I brought them up on my Instagram, which right. I had a lot of breakthroughs in a lot of ways because I've had those conversations after I've posted things and um, the people who may have been in the stories or, you know, they relate to it. Um, they've written to me and been like, hey, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, wow. Didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And I know what you mean about that. Um, that's something I think a lot, a lot about, um, I'm very mindful of, you know, sharing your stories and then how other people in the story, yeah, are perceived, how you can be respectful of them, but also still tell your stories. It's like, uh, it's a tricky kind of thing. It can be. Yes, it can be. But I, I think it's important, um, for me, what I learned is that nonetheless, it's your story and um, you have every right to express these, you know, memories and emotions and things like that. And um, if someone doesn't, you know, respect your memories, I mean, that says a lot about them, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. (laughs) So what um, advice would you give to someone who is like looking to give up alcohol? Well, that's a big question, I think. There's a lot of things I would say, but my my biggest advice probably would be find support. Um, Because, you know, like I had done in the past, I tried doing alcohol-free without support. And then I had done almost two years without support, just a therapist. Um, And until I found a solid support system, whether it's people I don't know, uh, you know, in Canada or the UK or wherever, um, there's still a support system for me. And it's actually made me grow to have people who understand, not necessarily relate to every aspect of it, but they relate to pieces. And um, that's been a huge factor for me because I was pretty stagnant up until I started my Instagram account and I, I had grown, but I hadn't grown to this extent, you know, in the past, since last summer, last June, I've grown more than I thought I needed to. Um, I had learned from so many different people, you know, like, like you say in your podcast, you, um, you know, hear different people's stories and, I bet that helps you reflect on your stories too. Absolutely. So much. Um, you know, when you say you hear people say, Oh, I did it this way, and then you reflect, oh well, I actually did it this way. And you you learn tools from people um that you never would have thought of. Like I had no clue about like the the whole concept of like play the tape forward or just any of these yeah. little toolbox tools that people say. And so having a support system, having people who relate. I actually made a post um, a few months back about um, you have friends who understand and you have friends who are understanding. And for a long time, I had friends who were understanding and, you know, they they wanted to be there for me and, you know, they, they tried to support me in all the ways that they could. But until I had friends who understood and gave me advice from their perspective, um, I didn't grow as much as I could have. Oh, wow. I love that. And that is just it. Like friends who are understanding versus friends who have been there and understand. And it makes such a difference to just have people that have kind of walked the same path as you and can walk it beside you. And you just feel like you're, you're no longer alone. Yes. And I think, you know, for, for anyone out there who doesn't have people in their physical world, especially with COVID, and you know the world's on this kind of hiatus right now physically um 
to have these podcasts, to have Quitlets, um, to have, you know, sober Instagram, to have the different Facebook groups and, you know, the different, all, so many different groups out there. To have those virtually and to have people, like, you don't need to have people necessarily in your physical world. Um, really, I still don't have many people in my yeah. physical world. It's okay if they're not in your physical world. Like, that doesn't make them less of yeah. a support system. doesn't make them less of friends. Um, you know, I reach out to to people all the time where I just chat with them and um, be like, hey, this is going on right now, things like that. And, um, you know, just go into people's DMs and just message them mm -hmm. and, you know, say, hey, I related to your post today. And, like, have convers I have conversations with my my followers all the time and i don't even like calling them followers because like they're friends like let's be honest like yeah. if you're gonna if if you want to message me message me and you know i'll have a conversation with you people don't have to be in your physical world to be real support system for you yeah, yeah that's so true and like i have met some of the most like welcoming and non-judgmental people through sober social media, you know, like, I think you commented on my post about the mocktails in the Middle East. And then, you know, it was like, from there, we were just like, you know, Instagram friends. And, and it's mm -hmm. been, I don't know how long, six months, eight months. And, mm -hmm. and so I think you're right, just like having the courage, because everyone who's in the sober world has kind of been through something similar. And so you're bound to get like some kind of response. So Right. And, you know, even if you don't have a, a, a sober Instagram per se, even if you're just on your personal account, like it's still perfectly fine to like slide into someone's DMs. You don't have to be quote unquote influencer, sober influencer or anything like that. Like you just just message people, you know, absolutely. People are, we're just people. So, no, absolutely. It's a good thing to end on. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It was honestly so nice to actually meet you and have a conversation. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it, it's been really nice to meet you. Uh, hopefully we meet in person one day. And uh, yeah. I'm sure we will. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Elizabeth. See you soon. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.